Today, I get to finish out Luke. We were actually going to bring back Luke 1 and 2 at the end of the year as we go through Advent on our way to the Christmas story. But next week, we open up the book of Acts, which is also authored by Luke. And uh, he gets to write uh, the early church and essentially the Acts of the Apostles. And here we are getting to kind of close out uh, a really beautiful story. And I get to talk through Luke Chapter 19, 1 through 10. Luke 19, 1 through 10. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke 19, 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have these two massive screens that we'll put some scripture slides up. I'm going to read it from my, my iPad that has some residue on it from my youngest. Amen. All right, we there? Luke 19. Dennis, you there? Look at you, brother. Here we go. You ready? Let's get into it. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was, a, he was small in stature. Zacchaeus was a small man. Verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him, Jesus, joyfully. And when he saw it, and when they saw it, the, the crowd, they all grumbled and said, He has gone to be a, the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen? Amen. This last verse, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, they believe that this is actually the main thread for the whole entire book of Luke. That's why Jesus came, seek and save. And just a few weeks ago, Lauren actually preached on Luke 15, these three beautiful stories that Jesus teaches out, where there's a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And Jesus is teaching this to uh, the crowd and also the Pharisees to be reminded that this is why I've come, to seek and save that which is lost. And this is how he ends the story with Zacchaeus. Today, I want to talk about this idea of what are we passing down? Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the story. Thank you for these moments of examples that, Jesus, you, you sought after those who were lost. And God, I do pray that today we would be open to what it is that, Jesus, you want to teach us and show us and maybe even remind us or begin to open our hearts and minds to new things so, God, we can walk out of this place more inspired of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Like I said, I am a father. I have two boys. Uh, my oldest is 10. My youngest is 7. And I just had the privilege of coaching my youngest soccer team. Um, and it was, it, was, it was something. How about that? Okay? 
six and seven year olds running around uh, trying to play soccer is hysterical. And I'm, I'm also reminded that be, by having two boys, okay, I was their age once, and I forget quickly on boys are a hair rambunctious. We were at a friend's house last night having uh, dinner, and they have two girls. We have two boys. Let me just say, stark difference. It, it's night and day. Uh, my kids at the dinner table, we actually had to warn my friends. We said, hey, um, we don't know how this is going to go. Uh, we haven't really issued table manners all that well. Um, so the whole time, my boys are acting crazy, and their two girls, I'm not kidding, were like sitting, did not move, did not talk, nothing. I'm like, yeah, this is our every single day life. So it's easy as a dad to like talk to my kids in such a way. I'm like, yo, come on, get it together, which I do this often. And I find myself like, bro, you got to chill out. You were once this age. And you are a boy. And I thought to myself, when I was 10 years old, like my oldest is, I did some pretty crazy reckless things. For instance, one day, when I was in fifth grade, I like telling stories myself because one, it helps me get it all out. And also, two, this is kind of like free counseling and therapy. So just kind of hang with me for a little bit. I was 10, fifth grade, and my friends and I, whenever there was bathroom breaks, we would go into the bathroom and we would have our break. But also, we created one heck of a game. This game involved paper towels, water, and soap. And over time, we've created this game to see how many paper towels soaked with water and soap could stick to the ceiling that was above us. It's a killer game. And we'd rate each other on, you know, how good they were and how many did you get to stick on the ceiling this time. And then you actually work on like the proportion of water and soap and make sure you knew exactly how much was in this paper towel because it really did matter. Okay, fellas, I need a little bit of help from you because it is Father's Day and two, we, we know like, come on, we did some stupid stuff. And if I had a whole day, it, you guys would be probably bored, but we'd get through. So this is one of those moments. So on, on one of these occasions, because I was, you know, most likely the pro at this. And I knew I figured out the proportion, soap and water and had my paper towels and we're chucking them, we're nailing them to the ceiling. And on this one day, on this one bathroom break there in fifth grade at 10 years old, it was my turn to throw and I'm all the way down and I got it. And right when I'm about to throw it up, Miss Ebers walks into the bathroom and she's like, what are you boys doing? Now in that moment, it's not like I could be like, we're just checking out the lights Looks like these tiles need to be cleaned, Miss Ebers. There's a lot of water, uh, paper towel, wadded paper towels up there. You might want to get the janitor in here ASAP. We just want to make sure what's in your hand. Oh, so this, this is a moist towelette that I was about to throw in the garbage can. No, what happened? I was caught in the act of, like, I, it was, it was, you couldn't, you couldn't talk your way out of this one. I had no excuses, right? So all the boys have to run out, and then, of course, I'm in trouble, and then my parents have to find out, what were you doing? I was acting like a 10-year-old boy, Mom. What do you want me to do? Throwing wet paper towels on the ceiling, but essentially caught in the act doing it. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't talk your way out of this thing. What I've learned, though, is when you're caught doing something, it's not like you can do much about it. It's what happens afterwards. It's what you, how you respond when you are caught doing something stupid or silly or ridiculous, because you already did it. Right? Like, she knew what was going on because the evidence was very clear. 
I was thinking about this story with Zacchaeus. I was thinking about this moment that Zacchaeus runs on ahead, climbs up a tree, and then Jesus catches him in a tree and he calls him out. Zacchaeus, we know from the scriptures, is a chief tax collector, a rich man. What in the world is this guy doing in the midst of a crowd climbing trees just trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus? And Jesus, of all people, calls him out by what? By name. And it's not like he could be like, nope. You got the wrong guy. They knew who he was. We find this out in the story. Jesus calls Zacchaeus down out of a tree. And he can't like talk himself out of this one. And like I said, it's when you're caught doing something or you're caught in the middle of a moment, it's not so much what happens in the moment, it's what happens in your response to that moment. And this is what I want to talk about today, this idea of Zacchaeus essentially taking responsibility of his entire life in this moment with Jesus in front of every single person that was present that day. His response after coming down out of the tree. But first, I want to talk about who is Zacchaeus and then some things that we can learn about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, we know from the scriptures, he's a chief tax collector. This guy works for the Roman government and He's a son of Abraham. Essentially what that means, he's a father. He he is a Jewish man because Abraham is the father of our faith, yet he's not living in such a way that the Jewish people would live. Zacchaeus is actually benefiting off of the work that he's doing for the Roman government. He's adding extra taxes upon those who are traveling through his town called Jericho so then his pockets can be filled. He's partnering with Roman officials to oppress the people that lived in this region, and he's the one benefiting because of it. Now, what can we learn from Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, because he's a short man, he wants to see Jesus, he can't see over the crowd, he runs on ahead and he climbs a sycamore tree just to what? Just to catch a glimpse of Jesus. You know, to think about this moment, If we can learn something from Zacchaeus, essentially he does this incredibly radical act just to see Jesus, just to get in position to catch a glimpse of of him. We also learn that he receives Jesus' invitation to come to his house with joy. I, I got thinking about this, that Jesus calls Zacchaeus out of the tree and instead of Zacchaeus being like, oh, no, 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 not me. You don't, you don't want to come to my house. Jesus, I've heard good things about you. I'm not a good man. There's probably a lot of other people you should be calling out. It's not me. I think we can learn something from Zacchaeus as far as receiving mercy better. Receiving God's grace better. Amen? Zacchaeus, knowingly, a chief tax collector in that town, comes down out of the tree and joyfully accepts the invitation that Jesus is going to come to his house. We also learn from Zacchaeus that, as as the kids would say, he, he blocks out the haters. There are all these people, as he comes down out of the tree, what happens? Zacchaeus is asked by Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house and dine with you. And everyone starts talking about Zacchaeus. Not this guy. No, no, no. He's, he's a tax collector. This guy's a sinner. He is no good. And Zacchaeus 
stays focused on Jesus regardless of those talking about him. We can learn something from Zacchaeus, can't we? We can learn something about his, his focus on what Jesus is actually saying to, to him. He ignores the criticism and the disdain in the crowd. And then his response in this moment, he acts with, a, with generosity. His response is, if I've taken anything away from the poor, I'll pay it back. If I've taken anybody and, and hurt anybody, I'll give them fourfold what I've stolen from them. I will, I will restore anything that I've done wrong. This is his response. In the middle of criticism and the disdain of those that are around him, Zacchaeus immediately responds with generosity. Essentially, taking responsibility of his actions, of his behavior, right there in the moment. And it got me thinking, why does Zacchaeus respond so quickly? Like, if you were in the Bible Haven earlier this year, I taught on this word, Hagah. Hagah means to meditate on God's word. Essentially, it means to mutter, to speak it constantly for the rest of your days. And I was thinking about this idea, and I was meditating this whole week because I kept reading these 10 verses over and over and over again. I thought, why does Zacchaeus respond so quickly to Jesus with, yeah, whatever I need to do, I, I, I take on the responsibility Whatever it is that you're needing me to do to make things right, I will do. And Jesus' response is, salvation's coming to this guy's house. The act of taking responsibility causes Jesus to say, salvation's come to you and every single person connected to you. This idea of taking personal responsibility. Now, don't get me wrong, when I look at this story of Jesus and Zacchaeus, so many amazing ways and threads we could pull on this story. And like I mentioned earlier, it's this verse 10 that says, Jesus came to what? Seek and save the lost. It's like this thread that's beautifully woven throughout the entire book of Luke. And Lauren taught on this a couple of weeks ago about going after that which is lost and redeeming the things that are lost. This is the act and work of Jesus. Essentially, y'all, this is the gospel message in 10 verses. But for me, the part that arrested my brain this entire week as I kept thinking about it and reading it and meditating on it, I just thought, man, Zacchaeus, that quick, responds with, I, I got to own up to my behavior. I, I got to take personal responsibility of what's been going on in my life. Even, even all the different people and the criticism that's taking place around him, Zacchaeus says, no, no, I, I, got, I got some stuff that I got to take care of. I'm going to pay back. I'm going to go fourfold. This would have been actually over the top of what the law would have demanded. And Zacchaeus, being a Jewish man, would have known what the law demanded. And he says, I'm going to go above and beyond. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. And it got me thinking, like, when you have a value or a principle in your life, something that you stand on, concretely, the only way that thing actually becomes real is if, if your behavior follows it. If you and I have a value or a principle in our life, the only way that thing is fully proven is if what? Your behavior follows it. I was talking to a buddy about this this last week. 
We're talking about this idea of, of values that are in our lives. And if I don't actually behave in such a way that I talk about, then is it actually a real value or principle? And for, for Zacchaeus, it's almost like something in that moment transformed and shifted and changed. He's like, oh, I've been living in such a way that I no longer want to live. I'm going to go in the direction of what this man Jesus is calling me to. And I'm actually going to do something with it. My behavior is going to follow my values. I'm going to act upon this thing. I'm going to take personal responsibility of my behavior. Now, this idea of taking personal responsibility is is hard work. Right? To be able to take responsibility, especially when you feel like you're caught in something or something that you're not maybe proud of or something that you've been going in one direction and there's something saying inside of you saying, oh, no, no, this isn't right. There's something that has to shift and change. My behavior has to shift and change. So you have to take personal responsibility. And that is some hard work. It's, it's like uh, Jim Collins. He writes this book, Good to Great, 20-something years ago. might have been shorter than that. But he, it's a business book. It's a leadership book. And he talks about this idea of lifting up the rock like you would in your backyard. And you lift it up and you see all these nasty bugs and, and termites and all stuff that's the stuff, the ugly stuff that's underneath that rock. And you have a choice. It's either like you throw the rock back down or you have to kind of clean that thing off. And in our own life, this is how I've discovered even for myself. It's like I constantly lift up the rock of my life. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm not really proud of those different things. So I got to continue to hide them. And, and also when we see like scripture, we, we hear stories like this. We're talking about this man named Zacchaeus. And we kind of learn some different things about him. It's like putting up a mirror in front of your face. And it's like you have to address that thing. What does it look like to address the things that are in your life that you're not so proud of? The, the things that you keep hidden from other people. The, the things that you just know, ah, this isn't right. Do I address it? Or I just let it be. And for Zacchaeus, in that moment, I'm, I'm absolutely shook on his response and how quick it was. Hey, I, I'll pay back whatever I stole. I'll pay back fourfold whatever I've done. And Jesus' response is like, this guy. He knows what it takes. Take on that responsibility. Because I have a different direction for you, Zacchaeus. And it's going to require some stuff coming off your life so then you can pursue the, the life that I have for you. Amen? Taking personal responsibility, it's lifting up the rock and seeing all the ugly stuff and then addressing it. I've learned that when you take personal responsibility, this is the pathway to growth and healing for the soul. Because the more you hide it, the more you sweep it, there's no growth there. There's no healing there. And I think for Zacchaeus, he was sick and tired of being sick and tired of the way that his life was going. There's this beautiful proverb, 25, 28, says this, he who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. My spirit, my responsibility the things that only I really know of and maybe those most intimate with me know of, it ultimately it's my responsibility. Because like a city without walls, anyone can invade. Anything can invade. 
So I have to ask myself often when I think about this verse that I've read so many times, where am I not ruling in my spirit? Or what is ruling my spirit? Maybe for Zacchaeus, I think about for him, like I said, maybe he knew the way that he was living is no longer the way he wanted to live. I mean, think about the story again, why I do this. I, I think about 10 verses and there's so many different things and I could stand up here and I could teach the, the in-depth the roots of what's taking place. And sometimes I was talking to even someone earlier this week. I was like, I just, when I read these stories, I think the human condition, the human experience matters so much to me. And I think about Zacchaeus, I'm like, why a chief tax collector who's loaded? It says he's a rich man. Everything's kind of fine for this guy. Hears about this man named Jesus that he's never seen coming through his town. And he's like, I'm going to, I kind of just want to see him. Heard some things, kind of want to see what this guy's all about. Crowd gets so big that he's not even able to see over the crowd. Why? Because he's a short man. And it could have been like, ah, whatever. No big deal. But something inside of Zacchaeus says, no, no, I have to see this guy. I have to be able to, to witness what this guy does. I have heard things. I have to see this man, Jesus. So then he runs ahead, climbs a tree, and now he gets to see him. Something's going on in Zacchaeus' life. Are you following? That he is fed up with something to the point where he's going to be willing to climb a tree, look incredibly foolish in front of all the crowd, just to see Jesus. And because of that act, Jesus calls him out and calls him down. And his entire life has changed in that moment. He's not happy with the way his life was going. So it goes this extreme measure, maybe for him, because he's like, man, life is shorter than I realized. And for you and I, it's shorter than we realize. Take a look at what James says, 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the, Lord's, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Yeah. How more sobering can we get on a Sunday morning? You don't know what tomorrow brings. For tomorrow, it may be gone. Your life, my life, it's a mist. And James ends with, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, it's sin. Now this word sin in the Hebrew is hata. Essentially what it means is you're just missing the goal. And like I said earlier, coaching my son's six and seven-year-old soccer team, we missed a lot of goals. <laughs> he kept trying. Missed a lot of goals. And essentially, this is what the writer is saying. It's like, hey, that thing that you're trying to hit, the life that you're trying to live, and you keep kind of missing it, and you know what's right, 
That's hata. It's sin. You're missing it. Because friends, you and I, I don't have tomorrow guaranteed. It's like a mist, the writer says. In fact, Proverbs 27.1 says this, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Marcus Aurelius says, you can leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. Now think about Zacchaeus. I think about what we can learn. I think about this idea of taking on personal responsibility and even on a Father's Day weekend, I think about as a dad, there's so many things I don't want to miss. I don't, I don't want to mess up. And, and I think about Zacchaeus in this moment and even it says right at the top of the scriptures, it says Jesus was passing through his town. Almost like maybe Zacchaeus knew this was his only shot. This is his only chance. This is it. So this act of running to the tree to climb it just to catch a glimpse and the fact that Jesus calls him down into his space, into his world, into his home. How else would I want to respond? But you can have it all. Take everything. Because I'm becoming more and more aware that I don't even know if I have tomorrow. So today is the day of salvation. Today is the day I say I want to follow you. takes all the responsibility so then a shift takes place change happens and what takes place in Zacchaeus's life we saw this in scripture Jesus says salvations come to your household your home after Zacchaeus takes on the responsibility his entire family is blessed because of his decision That statement isn't meant to add any pressure. It's to create some awareness because it sobers me up real fast and real quick to learn what it means to take on responsibility because who is connected to me matters. So if I take on the responsibility of certain things that aren't correct or right, and I'm in a sense, like James says, missing the goal on some things, I don't want to pass that down to those who are behind me. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So my question for us today is what are you passing down? And allow this message, allow these scriptures that we shared today begin to kind of create such an awareness, say, oh, there's something that Jesus, the God of the universe, whom calls Zacchaeus out of a tree, caught him in the middle of it, calls him out, says, hey, I got something for you. How will we respond in that? So whether you know it or not, you're passing something down. I think for me, I'm like, man, there's so many areas. I'm like, oh, good Lord. I do not want my kids to become this part of me so I'll make sure I own up to that stuff I pick up the rock I'm like oh that's some ugly stuff right there do I just hide it or do I address it I might not be able to pass down inheritance of finances to my kids of millions and millions of dollars but I pray that I pass down the inheritance of good character and generosity and kindness and love but I need to be able to look at the mirror honestly friends 
and ask myself, am I living the way that I am to live? Or are there things that I'm sweeping and hiding underneath? What can we learn from Zacchaeus? It's immediate response of responsibility to then go in another direction and then his whole entire family is blessed because of it. I pray that for you as well. I pray that the inheritance that you have and the inheritance that you are carrying today for City Church, that what you're passing down is changing generations after generations, all because of decisions that you're making, even now, even today. So Jesus calls out Zacchaeus. He essentially invites himself into his own home, which I always found hysterical. He doesn't say, come with me. We see this in scripture. He mentions that many times. It's come follow me. Instead, Jesus actually says, yes, I'm going to go to your house. Hey, Carrington, I'm coming over. Hey, Aria, I'm going to come to your crib. Hope it's ready. Dennis, Tim, you guys cool if I come over today? Tough. It's me, Jesus. I'm coming anyways. (laughs) He just invites him in and invites himself in. How will we respond? How will we respond? Just stand with me as I pray and close out. We pray for us. God, thank you for stories like these that, uh, honestly, for me, it, it creates more questions than answers. More questions about my own humanity, some things that I need to look at, address, think about, meditate on. Not out of guilt or shame, because Jesus, you, man, even in the story, you extended so much grace and mercy. So today I pray even for all of us in this room, that God, we would receive grace and mercy and then respond out of that. Because in this story, we see no shame. We see no guilt coming from you, only from the crowds that surrounded Zacchaeus. So with that, we say, okay, I want to look in the mirror a little more often. How can I take more responsibility on some things to then begin to walk in the direction of what it is that Jesus, you have for me? God, help me to be mindful of what I'm passing down. my children's children, generation to generation. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name and every single person said, amen, amen.